two guys have caught their first permit and eaten some scorpions. That's what you do, by the way. You you eat a scorpion that night if you've caught your first permit. You either eat it and knock it down with a shot of Cuervo, or if you're like me and you don't drink anymore, um, they pay it up and you, and you eat it with some lime. But, uh, yeah, so it's fun. And everybody's – after you have a couple guys that have eaten their scorpions um, – and everybody's, you know, having a blast because everybody, everybody's pumped to eat a scorpion, right? That was Brian Oakland describing what happens the night after catching your first permit. This is the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. We'll help you on your fly fishing journey with classic stories covering steelhead fishing, fly tying, and much more. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. I'm excited to share a second podcast we're launching that should be a huge help if you are an outdoor business and want to improve your online presence. Head over to wetflyswing.com slash online so you get updated when the big show launches very soon. Today, we've got Brian Oakland on again, who breaks down La Pescadora and what makes it one of the great uh, destinations around the world. We talk about why Ascension Bay is so unique, why we're putting together a trip in February to Mexico, and why you should join us on this big trip. We even get into a few tips and tricks in this one, and uh, really dig into uh, you know what it's all about, including the local family experience at the lodge, and um, just some cool stuff we're going to dig into here. So... Uh, Without further ado, here's uh, Brian Oakland from Got Fishing. How's it going today, Brian? It's going really well. Cool. We're, we're going to jump into the big Mexico trip, uh, Yucatan, La Pescadora, uh, because you're helping me build this trip, and I've got a few people that are interested already, and we're hoping to maybe build some buzz for some more. So you ready to jump into this? I am, absolutely. Cool. Well, let's let's uh, start right off the top. But just, I know you're fresh off a trip, not too uh, in the distant past. Can you talk about, just break us down, take us to La Pescadora, the whole thing, what, what, what we got going there? Yeah, we've been going to La Pescadora now for, we've been down there for three years in a row. I had a fishing consultant um, that introduced me to this trip and introduced me to the outfitter. And he had been going down there, I believe it had been eight years in a row, something like that. So I knew that it was a very special place. Um, I went down, I've been down all three years now because I did go down that first time and, and yes, experienced it. And it is a, it's a special place through and through. It's an easy location to get to. Um, it's inexpensive, um, tons and tons of phenomenal fishing, whether you're an expert saltwater fly fisherman or whether you're just getting started. Um, and then this particular outfit that we go with, you know, is just, just perfect for the beginner, um, saltwater angler that's wanting to better understand the casting the presentation the different species uh, so it's just a ton of fun and it's great for everybody that's um, looking to get into salt water or do some incredible salt water fishing if you've if you've fished all over the world this is this is world class in and of itself mm-hmm. yeah and I've, I've heard a lot i haven't been down there and that's why i'm working with you on this because i think having you as an experienced uh you know, person setting up the trip and kind of, and we're going to hopefully get on the phone with some people too that are really interested, that are ready to, you know, kind of throw down a deposit and get this thing down in. Um, we'll, we'll dig into that as we go, but I did want to talk a little bit about just the, I think it's known as kind of the big four, right? You can get four of the big saltwater species down there. Can you talk a little about those four species and, and kind of what, what you've caught and what you've had inter- interaction with? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the big thing that uh, people go down there for is the Grand Slam. Um, that's catching your bonefish, your snook, your permit, and your tarpon all in one day. And there's not many places that, you know, you can have that opportunity. And um, Ascension Bay is certainly one of them. The time of year that we go, um, which is in February, all four species are there. They're pretty prevalent. The larger tarpon, um, which are pretty migratory, show up in the oh late May, June, July, and, and start leaving again in August. But the baby tarpon, the snook, um, bonefish, and, and plenty of permit um, are there year-round. Cool. And and what is it? And I think we we hopefully dig in a little bit. I know you got a good story on a permit we're going to talk about a little bit later. But can you just bring us back again? You, you hop on a plane. It's pretty easy to get down. You you fly. Can you just take us to? We're flying into the area. What, what what's that feel like when you're kind of coming down into it and, and getting to the lodge? Well, I think that's one of the things that's so attractive about this trip is that it is so easy to get to. Um, you fly to Cancun. So pretty inexpensive, and most people have actually been there before. We have a professional shuttle waiting for us, and then we do take a trip down to a town called Punta Allen. Uh, you can get on a map and look. It's about 120 miles straight south. And uh, even though it's 120 miles, it does take about three and a half hours. About half of it's paved and the other half is not. Um, but it's just a really cool shuttle, all part of the experience. And then you arrive in Punta Allen, and um, Ascension Bay is um, – Obviously, right there at Punta Allen, and then La Pescadora Lodge is just just a little bit outside of town. I would say maybe a quarter mile, half a mile. So it has this really kind of private, um, exclusive feel to it. And um, it's just a really easy place to get to. And then when you get there, you know that you're so, you definitely are somewhere special. And, and when you get there at the lodge... Is it, uh, I mean, when you hear lodge, you hear a lot of different things, right, about lodges, different levels. Right. What is this like? Are you kind of out there just a couple of huts on the beach and, uh, you know, kind of cooking up your own food? Or how, how's all that look? You know, I forget how many years ago it was built, but it, it, it's been recent. And um, it's a it's a four-cabin lodge with the main dining area in the middle. Um, it's all connected. And um, it sits about literally 50 yards off of the beach. So you can hear the waves crash in and um, hear them all night long. And um, so, yeah, this the, this four cabin lodge kind of, well, it doesn't kind of, it, it, it faces the water. And um, it'll hold up to eight people in double occupancy. And um, so it's real private and um, real hands-on. Cool, cool. So you pretty much, when you... So you get there. So you, like you said, you take the shuttle down to uh, Punta Allen. You get there, I'm, I'm imagining, in the evening. You have time to set up. And then in the morning, do you just hop on on your, your, on your boat and just kind of bust out and, and you're fishing? Or how, how's that look? Yeah, you nailed it. We usually arrive in, in the evening. Dinner's waiting for us. Everybody lines their rods and reels up and um, starts getting excited. Everybody gets a good night's sleep, and then the next morning, yeah, we have a, a nice hot breakfast, and we immediately head out with our guides and start fishing. Nice, nice. And I want to, I want to jump. I, I kind of uh, hinted on that uh, permit. I wanted to get on this because I don't want to miss it. But can you uh, kind of tell us what it feels like for somebody who's never caught a permit, and especially I think you got into one that was pretty big. Well, just take us there and what that feels like to get into that fish, what it takes to get one, and then what it feels like. Well. It's like a lot of things when we go fishing. There's some some species that are easier to catch than others, and and obviously those that know saltwater fishing, bonefish are pretty pretty prevalent. You know, pretty easy to catch. 
Snook, not too bad if you can get into them. Baby Tarpon, not the easiest, but again, not too, too bad. And then you have the Permit. And Permit are just, they're just different. And I don't, I'm certainly not going to pretend like I'm a Permit expert, but <clears throat> I um, have been lucky and fortunate enough to put a few on and uh, cast to a million more. <laughs> and that's really what it is. You know, you're just hunting for this elusive fish that is extremely spooky and, um, just not an easy fish to get to take your raghead crab or scrimp or whatever it is you're throwing at them. And so there's just a lot of intensity behind, you know, casting in this wind, getting this permit to take a look at it, actually chase it and then take it. And so, um, yeah, it's just one of those things where you've hunted for them so hard. You've made so many different attempts that I think that when it finally does happen, there's just so much exhilaration and excitement. And, and I'll even say what surprised me, um, and then I'll get to this, this one fish that I caught, but all three years, what would have surprised me is how intense and how energetic the guides are about the permit. Hmm. It, it's as if it was their first one. Um, and, and, and it's about their 10,000th um, hmm. that they have seen or, or hooked up on. But every single time we see one, it, it's like the first. There's so much excitement, so much intensity um, that even if it doesn't happen, it was, it was an incredible experience. And so I'm always impressed that um, how excited and how intense and how bad they want you to make it happen. Um, so I have been fortunate enough uh, all three years to go that I've been down there that I have been able to hook up on a permit and get it landed. But this last year, um, this last February down there, I was fortunate enough to hook up on a really, really nice one. Uh, I'm going to say it was 25 pounds. Some say it was a little bit bigger. But on the streets, we'll just say that it was a 25-pound permit. Uh, it literally took me close to five hours to land because we were in some deeper water. And um, I was fighting it on an eight weight. And, yeah, it was just it was an unbelievable battle and um, ended up getting it in. And, yeah, everybody was pretty pumped, including me. That's cool. And and what, so when you're out there, do you have to be a very, you know, like a great fly caster to get into these permit or how, what, what's that look like? What, what was your cast on this nice fish? How, how Take us there, like what fly, where you were at, where you stand on the boat in the water? Yeah. So what you're doing is you're, you're fishing off of 24 foot pongas. Um, it's a, it's a two guide system, which I absolutely love. And any of your listeners who have done this before and, and have only been with a one guide system, they will really appreciate this. You have a main guide and then you have a junior guide that sits up front with you. And he's basically there to help you see the fish, um, determine how far out it is. Cause sometimes honestly, it's, it's tough to see them and this is what they do. So a lot of times they can see this fish and you can't. So they're telling you, you know, what time is it? It's at, it's at two o'clock. It's at 30 yards. You know, can you make that cast or it's at 40 feet, um, you know, dead right. And you, okay, I can see it. And mm-hmm. you start casting. They also keep line management, um, keep the, the line out of your toes and from getting wrapped up because like i said things can get pretty intense and, and and pretty exciting and um the casting i always tell people you know once you get up there it's great having that junior guide there but nonetheless you still are sitting in front of a boat it's windy waves are rocking and and the casting definitely does determine the success of your trip i tell people all the time get out in the park and cast because it's it's you, I don't care if you can cast um, 
an entire spool of line out in, in a park. It becomes a lot different when you're standing on this boat and the wind is blowing. So casting is important. At the same time, I always want to stress that this is one of those trips where you don't have to be an expert, which means you don't have to be an expert caster um, in order to get in fish. So I wouldn't want anyone to think, well, gosh, I'm not a great caster. Mm -hmm. So this would never, it definitely would make it tougher for sure. And the better caster you are, the more opportunities and more shots and, and, you know, better presentation you're going to be able to give. But at the same time, it's the beauty of these guides. Uh, they know how to work with the wind. They know how to work with you as an angler. And they're going to put you into situations that you're going to have success. But yes, casting is important and it's definitely something you want to work on prior to going on this trip. Nice, nice. So, so basically, you're up on the boat. You make that cast. They tell you it's at two o'clock. You you drop it in. How far in front of the fish are you dropping that? And are you trying to lead it a little bit, or how's that look? Boy, in the situations, it seems like it's kind of all over the place, especially with the permit. But um, when you have a um, pot of fish moving either right to left, and let's just say they're moving right, you know, you're going to want to put it out there, not too far in front of them, but also not right on top of them, because that obviously has a tendency to, to scare them. So I'll throw it out there two or three feet. You'll hear the guide say, let it sit, let it sit, let it sit. As they get closer, you'll start to strip. Um, sometimes the guys want a slow, long strip. Sometimes they'll tell you to speed it up. Uh, it seems like everything that you were prepared to do prior to the cast changes once you cast. Mm. Um, and so I just really make sure that I'm listening to my guide. Um, I put the fly where it's supposed to be, or at least try. And then from there, I'm listening. Um, because again, they can see it all. They can, they can even see your fly. Mm. Um, and so they'll tell you, start stripping, stripping faster, faster, faster. No, yeah. let's stop, 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 stop. And so yeah. I really just try to pay attention to what they're doing. Um, and then you hear the, and then you feel the tug and, yep. uh, your strip set and, and it's game on Nice. before you can say, holy cow. Nice. And what's that strip set? Is that like strip it down and put, put your hand into the pocket, that sort of thing, as far as you can? Yeah. As hard you know, as you can. A lot of us, uh, Western fishermen that love the trout set. And uh, usually every trip, there's a couple of stories to be told around a cold beer at the end about a missed opportunity due to a trout set versus a strip set. But uh, people get it figured out. Yeah. Okay, cool. And while you're out there, I know depending on the year, uh, there's different species around you know, the larger tarpon and things like that. But I mean, what do you think? It, it sounds like, you, you know, year round, that's a cool thing about this area too. You can catch fish year round, but the big challenge is that sometimes maybe um, weather changes, cold fronts. I mean, can you talk a little about, you know, maybe the best times to go and, and we're kind of thinking about February, uh, but just describe that and what people should be thinking about for maybe just in general going to this area. You bet. Well, it, it, it's a year-round fishery, which is the beauty of it. Um, we've always chosen February because, again, you know, we, we live in Idaho, um, and a lot of the people around here love you know, getting a little break from the snow. And so it's just a great time to head down there to warm weather. And typically, the weather down there has been phenomenal. You know, We do run into a little bit of wind, um, but I don't think we've ever had one day where it got rained out or the wind blew to the point where we couldn't get out there. So we've always had really great weather in February. Um, again, occasional wind here and there, but, but other than that, it's been real nice. And I think as you get toward kind of into the spring, it's, it stays great. The summer has a tendency to be great fishing. Uh, clarity in the waters is, is, is phenomenal, but it also is brutally hot. Mm. Uh, 
So you just kind of have to take all those things into consideration. Also, there's a lot of people in the summer that are on family vacations. Their kids are home. Um, it's just not as conducive to going. So we've always picked February just because the weather seems to be perfect, uh, at least perfect enough. And um, the fishing has always been really good. Cool. Yeah. And that's like we said, we're, we're shooting for February. I think there's also the, uh, I think as you get into the fall or winter, I think the fall, maybe late summer, there's the potential for um, hurricanes or, or some of that stuff, right? Is that? Yeah, is that, absolutely. Yeah. No question. So there's some of that too. But uh, yeah, so we shouldn't have to hopefully worry about much of that. Hopefully things will be good. And I, I like it too. Yeah. The, the, the idea of February when it's snowing here, you know, and getting out to the sunshine makes a lot of sense. So um, you mentioned the guides. Can you talk a little about um, just who they are. And I'm not sure if you always have the same guys or if there's always turnover, but yeah, talk about those people and what they do for you. Well, a lot of lodges are located in special places. Um, this particular lodge is located in special places, but what makes it so special in all honesty is the people. Um, it is owned and operated by Lillian Jose. Um, anyone who's ever met them, you know, has walked away literally feeling like family. They're just really, really special people. Jose is definitely a legend um, in the saltwater arena, particularly in the permit fishing. Um, so those that have had some experience probably have heard of Jose before. Um, he is the head guide, so everybody gets an opportunity to go out with him, and that is definitely a special day. Um, but the other guides are just local kids and, and, and adults that have lived there practically their entire lives. Um, a very, very, very professional, but, but also, you know, just genuinely care. I, I have fished with a lot of guides that, that care from eight to five. They care while you're in the boat. Um, it's a professional caring, and, it, and it's, it's great. These guys, it's, it's genuine. Um, they absolutely, they'll dig into their own fly box. They will just literally do whatever it takes to um, make it happen for you, you know, within their, within their abilities. And so that's one of the things that we love. And actually, a lot of times we'll rotate through the different guides so that everybody can experience them. Uh, everyone's a little bit different in the way that they handle stuff and see stuff and um, approach different um, fish. And so it's just kind of fun to go out there with the different um, guides. And, and, um, and again, they're all so enjoyable to be with that it's just a great experience. Awesome. No, that sounds, I love whenever I hear the word family, you know, right away, you know, like that is definitely the people you probably want to be around. So that's exciting to hear. Um, I did want to dig into some of the gear and some of the, uh, just things to think about if going down, you know, I've got a few people yeah. that are definitely interested in one, you know, Greg, I want to th give a shout out to Greg Weisger because he's an old buddy of mine and, you know, he's really interested. He He's asking about flies and things like that, but could you just talk about, I mean, it's for, first let's start, let's start with the food because that's, you know, for me, the, some of the important stuff, what, what kind of food are we eating here? Would you go out for like dinner, lunch and how's that all that look? You know, the food is phenomenal. I'm going to give a shout out to Pepe who is uh, the, um, the head cook there. And again, it's all about family. His wife and his kids used to work there. Uh, they've moved on. But the food is phenomenal. It's all handcrafted. Uh, we eat fish. We eat uh, chicken, soup, lots of tortillas, special sauces, mm. uh, empanadas. I mean, it, it's, it's just all real authentic, um, phenomenal food, flans for dessert. Um, it'll blow you away. So just to run through it real quick, you wake up every morning, um, always a hot pot of coffee, rolling by 6 a.m. Uh, for those early risers, we sit down at breakfast at 7 a.m. It's always a nice hot breakfast, eggs, tortillas, juice. Um, and then what's cool, too, is the guides show up. They all have breakfast also. Hmm. 
talk about the day. So there's a lot of community going on. Everybody grabs their gear. The rods are loaded into the boat. People take off. Going to do a shore lunch out on the boat or on one of the islands. Um, <clears throat> great sandwiches and uh, some chips and cookies, just standard stuff. But again, mm-hmm. it, it, it's great. Um, and then when you roll back to the lodge, <clears throat> you're immediately greeted with a cold drink of, of your choice, a little appetizer, um, guacamole, um, nachos, um, ceviche from the snook that you caught yesterday. Um, so some, some little, little snacks and then um, everybody just kind of hangs out, shares pictures. Sometimes we walk into town, play a little volleyball with the locals, have dinner about seven o'clock. And, um, and then by that time, everybody's usually ready to uh, mm-hmm. rack it up. So that's what a day looks like um, as far as, you know, your food and your eating goes. That's cool. Is there uh, is there fly tying there? Is it, do people bring fly tying? Is there materials, anything like that to tie flies? You There is a little fly tying table. Yes. Cool. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I know that on, in past trips, that was something we, we talked about. So, okay. And then what about the, another important thing? What about, what about alcohol? What if somebody wants to have a nice beer or a drink in the evening? Is that possible? They got a full bar for you. That's more than possible. Oh, there you go. There you go. Okay. And can you talk a little bit about, so you mentioned, I think the rod is standard stuff. We talked a lot about that, but, um, for flies, what if somebody, if like Greg was talking, he wants to know he's a big fly tire. He wants to just type a bunch of flies. What, what would we tell him what he needs to bring? We would tell him to tie up a bunch of raghead crabs and spawning shrimp. Okay. And then type a few more. Yep. And that's really their go-to. Um, we definitely throw in some tarpon toads and some snook deceivers and, um, you know, some squimp for bonefish. Mm-hmm. But the two, the two go-to for the permit is are, are the raghead and the spawning shrimp. Okay. And, and take us to February again, too, because I'm not totally up on that. So I know different species, right? So is February, are we going to have a good shot at um, what, what's going to be best? What's going to be worst in February? Oh, boy. I don't think there's any going to be any worse. Um, you know, tons of permit, tons of bonefish, um, tons of snook. Cool. And, cool. and you know, I would say the toughest one, I guess, that the one that we probably struggle with the most would be the baby tarpon. And I don't know if that's why, you know, a lot of guys want to go just catch a ton of bonefish. Yeah. Uh, self and my fishing partner, we always want to chase permit. Um, so we're not necessarily in the mangroves. We're not necessarily chasing um, the tarpon. So that might be part of it. Uh, but I would say tarpon would probably be the hardest. Bonefish definitely the easiest. Snook second, and then permit and tarpon there third and fourth. Really depending on what it is you're putting your, the most energy into. Cool. And I just want to give a shout out before I uh, so I don't forget uh, at wetflyswing.com/slash/mexico is a link where anybody here listening can sign up and I can follow up with you on uh, on email. And then also, I think, Brian, you're willing to, uh, for those that are really interested, uh, jump on a phone call and just talk more about the trip or anything. Any questions to answer, any questions they have, is that is that the case? Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's essential that people are going to spend their hard-earned money and time away from their family to come uh, on a trip like this. You know, know the details. Make sure that it's the exact trip that you're looking for, and I would be more than happy to help with that. Cool, cool. And I think the great thing about this trip, we talked a little bit about it, I guess, last week. Um, but you know, the trip, the cost, right? There's definitely these trips aren't you know inexpensive, but comparatively, you know, I think this one's around thirty six hundred dollars, and 
you know, we're actually looking here the next, uh, you know, month trying to get that deposit for this trip, you know, shooting out because it's going to come around the corner quick. So we're looking at getting half that money now. And then half is, I think when we get 45 days out from the trip. So, you know, we are just talking, that makes a lot of sense to me thinking that, yeah, you're breaking up the money. So $1,800 actually sounds a little more doable, but when you compare it to Alaska, 7,000, 8,000, I mean, this trip is reasonable, right? That's very reasonable. You know, I, I got fishing in our portfolio of trips. This is probably one of the least expensive trips that we have. And for those that are going on their first fishing adventure, $3,600 is a lot of money. No question about it. Mm-hmm. Those that have investigated or taken a look at what it might be, uh, what it might cost to go up to Alaska, you know, those people are shocked at how inexpensive this is. Because you go up to Alaska, just as an example, you're typically up there for five days. And like you said, you're going to be spending anywhere from forty-five to eight thousand dollars for that trip, and flights involved, and you know gear, just like there would mm-hmm. be in any other trip. This is a total of seven nights, six days nice. uh, for thirty-six hundred. Um, I think you're fishing, you know, longer days, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it's just a, it's a really, really good value for a all-inclusive fishing adventure, and. You know, I like to go a year out for for a variety of reasons, but the big one is, I mean, most of us have a few bucks in our bank, and that's usually not it. it it's really about the excitement. You know, when we go on trips like this, it's not something that most of us get to do every day. Um, it's something that typically we've been looking forward to doing. Um, it's been on our bucket list, and so it's a shame when that ends and, you know, you, you get signed up and that's over in 60 days. So having a full year to plan, tie up some flies, practice your casting, learn a yep. little bit more about the trip. Um, I just think it's all part of it. For me, mm-hmm. planning and preparing for the different adventures is is part of the journey. And so I like it to be, you know, a year to nine months out so that p- people have plenty of time to not only get it paid, um, I think that's a big part of it. You only put 50% down now and another 50% down six, seven, eight, nine months later, depending on when you get signed up. Your plane tickets are less expensive. It gives you plenty of time to get any of that extra gear that you might need, some saltwater line, um, maybe borrow your buddy's nine-weight rod. And so, uh, yeah, I think it just gives plenty of time, but most importantly, uh, lots of time to just get excited and prepare for the trip. Cool. No, that uh, you put that very well. And and for me, this is going to be a trip. I'm going to be heading out on this with. I think. Are we looking at uh, seven total people, or wh- how yeah. many? How many? Including you, there'll be eight, including you. So yeah, seven guests will be joining. Yep. So seven guests. So definitely, like I said, if you're interested, go to that wetflyswing.com/slash/mexico because we've already got a few people out, and I think hopefully, you know, this this is going to kind of uh, get wrapped up pretty quick. So I definitely sign up if interested. Um, maybe you could, we talked a lot. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of good here, and it. <laughs> For me, it seems all good. But what do you think for you is the is the your least favorite thing about this trip? Leaving. Oh, there you go. All right, that's a good answer. <laughs> yeah, for real. That's a good I, answer. I, next year, I will be tempted if because I'll be there the week before this trip. Um, oh, cool. Here, um, and then I was telling Lily last year that if, if there's any spots available on your trip, and obviously there probably won't be. Yeah. But I would be tempted to stay another week. Nice. Um, that's awesome. I was just say so. It's that special. Um, so yeah, it's uh, probably leading. That's cool. Yeah, no, I know. It's one of those things where you think about these trips. How long could you stay there? You know, I mean, could you do a month there pretty easy? Well, I have kids yeah. and a wife that I love dearly. Um, so that would get a little tough. But if if for some reason I didn't have them, I could do six months. Yep. 
I know. I, in fact, you, I mean, some people live down there ha- during the winter, right? I mean, that's the thing. There's absolutely that's cool. And, and my wife will be going experiencing it. She's she's getting into fishing uh, more and more, uh, at least into the saltwater stuff. So she'll be going with me soon. Uh, my son definitely will be going with me. Um, hopefully, my daughter someday. She's not as into fly fishing. Um, she's a little bit younger, uh, but my family will eventually, or most of the family will eventually, get down to Ascension Bay and and meet Lily and Jose and Parker. And and, and their family also. So yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it's that's, definitely a family event. That's good. Maybe you can just know. I know Will is another person who's pretty much said he he's in on this trip. But one thing he mentioned was he def, he wanted to see if he could bring his wife down there. Could you just talk briefly about how that might work and um, with lodging? Is that a possibility? You know, it definitely a possibility. Um, I always tell people we have another trip that we do over in Belize uh, for saltwater, and and I actually steer people more that direction if it's a couple's trip, meaning the wife doesn't necessarily fish. She wants some other things to do during the day uh, because at this particular lodge at La Pescadora uh, and, and the Ascension Bay, it is mainly there for the angler. Um, it, it's really remote. Uh, Punta Allen, if you haven't heard of it or seen it, it's really small. There's not a lick of pavement in that town. Um, little small shops, which are super cool. But again, it just takes a... Um, a different person, I guess, to to stay there an entire week and not do anything else other than that. So yep. I recommend that if guys are going to bring their wives, they should fish or really, really enjoy hanging out in a hammock, um, you know, at the lodge and, and reading books and, and don't mind that. We have gone down that path before and for the right woman, it's not a big deal at all. Okay. Um, if you're looking for entertainment and yep. uh, little shops to go out to and, you know, you'll, you'll be through all the shops in the first day. Gotcha. And, and what about smoking? What, what if somebody is a smoker? Is that is that an issue out there? It's not. Obviously, you know, courtesy um, is is always welcomed. But uh, we had some guys smoking cigars um, this last trip and it was no big deal at all. Okay. Okay, good. Uh, anything else we want to cover here before, you know, we uh, start to uh, kind of take us out uh, on the trip itself to, you know, you want to highlight anything again, why this is maybe one of the big trips we want to be doing? I think the only thing that I would highlight on it is, you know, these hosted trips are really special um, because it puts a bunch of people together that are um, all accomplished, you know, trying to accomplish the same thing. Get out there, enjoy a vacation, catch some fish. Um, and, and instead of going out there individually or with another friend, I think people really enjoy the camaraderie of these hosted trips that you're putting together. It also gives people the opportunity who maybe doesn't have a fishing partner or maybe has been wanting to go on these trips, but just needing something to kind of push them over the edge and make it happen. Um, I highly recommend that they jump on a trip like this. It is inexpensive. It's pretty close to town. I mean, I know that uh, as we're recording this, we've got the whole Corona thing going on, mm-hmm. but I'm assuming that that's going to be a distant memory by the time that this thing comes around. Yeah. So um, special place, special price, a special opportunity, and and I guarantee special people. Uh, yep. It's just the way that these things end up working out. Um, and that's why when we go every February on our trip, we have half the trip booked every single year before we even leave the last trip um, <laughs> because people want to come back. So if you've been wanting to do some saltwater fishing, um, I highly recommend that you jump on this. You will not you, you will not regret it. Yeah, yeah. No, and I'll highlight that too on the hosted thing. I mean, we did this hosted trip to the uh, OP 
uh, a couple months ago. And that was the amazing thing. When we all sat down at the table, we had people from all around the country. And, you know, the common thing was we all love fly fishing and everybody listened to this podcast. And it was like, we all came together. And it was this amazing thing, just realizing, wow, we all, and we met at this amazing place, this cabin had some great steelhead fishing. Uh, people got their first steelhead there on, you know, on the OP. So I think this is going to be the same sort of experience. The only difference is the the weather. The big one is it's going to be a lot warmer. So um, I'm excited. Yeah, it's a great trip. You know, I always tell people I have the opportunity uh, and the luxury of getting to go to a bunch of different lodges. And uh, for some reason, well, not for some reason, I continually go back to this one because it is so special. Uh, so easy to get to and again even though i've now caught some permit tarpon it does not get old as a matter of fact it just cranks up the addiction even more nice all right brian well i'm gonna take us out of here and you i think you know the uh the uh the deal here we uh, i kind of wrap it up with the 222 which is top two tips top two flies top two resources and i think last time we had you on we were talking about our giveaway which was a success to pyramid lake and we're still actually right now planning for that but um, yeah. you've talked about the flies so i think we have the two flies covered what about tips and and we're talking tarpon do you have or not we're not talking tarpon uh permit do you have any uh like two tips if somebody's down there and hasn't caught their first permit yet for them yeah, I would say one, stay disconnected from the outcome. Um, you know, just do your best to make the best cast that you possibly can. Stay calm, listen to your guide, mm-hmm. and when you feel the tug, set it. I mean, that's that's actually the easier part. Um, it's really get, making sure you get that cast out there. So I always tell people, stay disconnected from the outcome. Um, that definitely mm-hmm. helps. And 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 the other one would be. Practice your casting before you go. Yep. That definitely is a, a common thing I hear. I had Bruce Chart, uh, Chart on talking about giant tarpon and the same thing he said. Um, you know, he mentioned that as kind of the graduate school of saltwater fishing, going for those big boys. But uh, yeah, practice, practice, practice. Um, and then what about missing? Have you ever missed a permit on the strip set? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I can tell you one kind of just funny little story it happened the first year that I was down there, had multiple opportunities to catch my permit. My buddy had already put his in the boat. Um, I had it. I was out with Jose, actually. It was my day with Jose. It was windy. The boat was rocking and we got into a really nice um, pot of permit. And I started casting and he's he's chirping at me, farther, farther. One of the big jokes is five feet, five, can you cast five feet farther? So I'm casting and casting and and I, I feel the permit hit and I strip set and he's not there. So recast, recast. I cast again right into him. He's, he says, he's eating, he's eating, strip set, strip. I'm stripped and I'm setting and I'm setting. There's just nothing there. Um, this whole frenzy goes on, which it yeah. seemed like half an hour. It ended up probably being about 90 seconds. And I, I, I can't believe what's going on. He can't believe what's going on. He said, why don't you set? Why didn't you set? <laughs> I said, I was setting, I was setting. Well, we pulled in the crab. And for some reason on that first set when he hit um, – the the hook broke oh. so the whole time these permit or crab there's no hook on the back of it wow. so there's... that was kind of uh funny and uh and, and a little bit disappointing but the good news is is literally 10 minutes later new raghead crab i did end up catching my first permit so there you go 
Yeah, it's it's it, it, one thing I will say too is it is a very exciting and intense trip. Even when it doesn't happen, yeah, you sit back down, kind of knew you just went through something pretty fun and, and special. That's crazy. What, what is a, what do you think on permit? Uh, you know, a real a good day. What's a really good day as far as numbers of fish? Well, you know, again with permit, they call it shots. How many shots yeah. did you get? It's not how many did you catch, how many did you land? It's how many shots. So that just kind of puts it in perspective right there. Um, so a good day is getting multiple shots at permit. Mm-hmm. An incredible day is hooking and landing one. So in yep. uh, anything beyond one in a day or one on your trip um, really becomes special. I, I I've only ever caught one on my seven day trips. So landed. That's it. That's amazing. And and for me, my, my barometer is always, I'm always thinking in the background steelhead, you know, what, what's, what's a, you're going for a wild steelhead on the swing. And you know, it's kind of a similar thing sometimes, you know, but a thousand casts, they say a thousand casts for a fish. So yeah, probably not quite that bad, but it'll feel like it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. Okay, and let's wrap up the the two twenty two. So, top two uh, resources, I guess, if anybody wanted to find some more information, uh, anything to help them for a trip if they're going for permit down to this trip to Mexico. Anything come to mind? You know, Google. Honestly, yeah. uh, Google helps a ton of people out. Um, there's just so many things written today on these different um, experiences that uh, you can find a bunch of different articles and videos. And then also YouTube. Um, there's a bunch of different videos out there on Ascension Bay and okay. people catching permit and tarpon. So I would use those. And I would say the third one, and maybe I'd even move it to the front, would be calling God fishing. Yep. You know, getting a hold of, of us here and, and pounding, up, uh, pounding us with your detailed questions on flights, shuttles, costs, um, food, allergies, um, you know, the gear that you should be bringing. <clears throat> That's one thing we, we, we didn't really touch on, and that was the, the rod weights. You know, everybody brings at least three rods, eight, nine, and ten. So we can kind of help people through getting their rods lined up appropriately, what to be using, what's not necessary. Um, if you have a fishing partner that's going, it's not necessary that everybody has three rods. So what rods could we be sharing? Mm-hmm. Some stuff like that. So yep. we'd be more than happy to get on the phone with people that are interested and walk them through their gear. Um, and also, you know, another thing that's kind of intimidating is people say, well, I don't have any saltwater rods or reels. Um, and I, I don't want to go spend thousands of dollars on this. We have tons of options. There's places that rent saltwater rods and reels, very inexpensive now. Um, so I wouldn't want that to hinder or keep anybody from going on this trip just because they don't necessarily have all the gear. That's why you get on the phone with us. We walk you through this and, and um, come up with solutions. That's cool. Yeah, I just recently did an episode with our our local fly shop. The Gorge Fly Shop is where I, uh, I kind of work with here. And he ran down the trout you know well we talked about trout rods it was kind of from the you know the low end 200 range up to the higher end above a thousand i mean that's the cool thing is there's a lot of gear even in that lower end that'll probably work out you know for this trip if you don't have it but if you don't have it um it sounds like you need to bring all your gear i mean pretty much rods reels line everything is that is that the case is there anything that um you wouldn't need to bring down here no, you need to bring it. Yeah, you need and, and you need to bring, you know, a box of flies too. Um, mm-hmm. I always call down and have depending on where I'm going, I, I like the the guides to tie up my bugs, but you still need to have a box full of them. Um yep. so yeah, there's there's nothing that you don't need to bring. Some lodges provide rods and reels. This one does not. 
Um, so you'll need to provide them. But we have a lot of resources here at Got Fishing that we can set you up with, um, like Rent-A-Rod, where you can have a really, really nice rod and reel mailed to you for really inexpensive, um, not only today use, but a lot of guys like to try some stuff out. Um, and we have other local options here, same kind of deal where you can get the gear that you need really inexpensive and then return it if it's not something that you're interested in or, um, apply that rental fee to the purchase at the end of the day. So, um, and loaners, we've got loaner stuff too, for the right people, um, in the right situation. So, yeah, that's why we stress if, if there's interest in this, don't let the little things prevent you from doing it because um, we take people on these trips of all experiences, guys that have been doing this their entire lives and have more rods and reels than Bass Pro Shop. And then we've got people that we've taken down that are just getting into it, um, just getting started, making their first cast in salt water. And um, it's, it's an incredible experience for them also. So no matter what your ability is, this is a phenomenal trip nice and i'll put in another note I, I mentioned the mexico uh the slash mexico link that goes to a landing page where you can sign up for that list but also i think i'll put it wetflyswing.com slash uh yucatan can you spell yucatan y-u-c-a-t-a-n there you go so at that at that link, I'll put a direct link to the actual uh, blog post that talks about everything about this trip and where you can also get more information. And, and what what about you? You mentioned in the next uh, kind of uh, six months to a year, you mentioned you're going to be heading down there. Anything else that you got going on or you want to highlight with Got Fishing and your, your brand? Oh, boy. We've got next year, we'll be going back to La Pescadora. Uh, we were going to Christmas Island for sure. Um, we were going back to Jurassic Lake. Unfortunately, we were supposed to be down there. Actually, I'm supposed to be in Jurassic right now. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So this should be our second day at uh, wow. Estancia. Uh, but again, with the corona, didn't happen. Yeah. So, yes, we'll be doing a Golden Dorado trip to Argentina next year. We'll be doing the Jurassic Lake. We'll be doing La Pascadora. And we'll be doing Christmas Island. So, again, I think that speaks to La Pescadora again. Every single year as we rotate the different trips and the different hosted trips that we do, La Pescadora always is on the list. Mm -hmm. For sure. Cool. All right. And uh, if they want to check out in with you, just gotfishing.com is the best place? Gotfishing.com is the best place. Or you can call me um, directly at 208 630 if you have any questions on this trip or any others. All right. Perfect, Brian. Hey, thanks for uh, shedding some light on this trip. I'm excited. I know right now it is, uh, what is it? We're going into uh, April, I guess. So we, you know, it seems like February is a long way off, but I know it's going to come quick, quick. So I'm excited to jump on this and hopefully people that are listening now are already signing up for this and, and we'll uh, just take them through the journey. Well, and hey, we're really excited to be working with you also. Uh, we really appreciate this opportunity to be setting you and, and your um, listeners up on a, on a really great trip. So we appreciate this opportunity to work with Wet Fly Swing, and uh, it's going to be a phenomenal trip, or first of many for sure. Cool. And all, one note too before we get out of here, I, I'm not sure when this is going to air, probably probably pretty soon, but you're also on as a sponsor of the show for the next uh, at least six months. So I think everybody's going to be hearing it during our intros and kind of mid-roll, we'll be hearing about you more. So we'll, we'll plug some other stuff that I think can be beneficial to some of the listeners as we go. And and good, man. Uh, well, I'll catch up with you soon and I uh, hope uh, everything goes well with the, uh, the the corona mess or disaster. And if, if that all works out, we'll be fishing soon. 
we're not trying to worry about it too much here in Idaho. Definitely <laughs> something that people need to pay attention to, but let's not get too crazy. Exactly. All right, Brian, have a good one, Matt. You too. All right, see ya. So there you go. If you want to find all the show notes with all the links we covered, just go to wetflyswing.com slash Yucatan. That's you. No, it's not you. That's Y-U-C-A-T-A-N, Yucatan. A reminder, on the new podcast launch that's coming up very soon, if you are a business or know of an entrepreneur that wants to uh, build their online presence, go to wetflyswing.com slash online, and uh, I'll be sending out some more information as that thing launches here very soon. Thanks again for stopping by today to check out the show. I'm looking forward to catching up this soon. I hope to maybe see you online or on the river. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com. And if you found this episode helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes.